The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com. And you'll see two videos at the top of the page there. The one on the left is Bradley's show from yesterday. So if you missed that, he had uh, Sheriff Mark Lamb on from Arizona. Um I got to tell you, I listened to to a portion. I didn't get all of it in there, but uh, I liked what he did with his people. He wants the people to be a part of the solution. 650-man posse. That's the militia, by the way. Uh, that 
That's my idea. <laughs> it's not really my idea. It's old idea, but that's what I say as sheriffs. At least that's what I toyed with when I was thinking about running sheriff in my county. I think you would enjoy that interview that he had with him, uh, at least the parts that I saw of that. So if you want to catch that, you can do so up until 3 o'clock Eastern this afternoon. SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and then he'll be live in that little area right there. On the right side of the page is where we are. And all you got to do is click the play button, blow it on whatever device you've got, and then look for the Rumble icon down in the bottom right-hand corner. Click on that and join us in the chat on Rumble. We are streaming also to Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. If you'll subscribe to the channel, we'd appreciate that very much. And also, beforeitsnews.com, the guys over there give us a place right on the top of the page each morning and afternoon. So you can go over there and you can watch it on there as well. We get a lot of people, a lot of viewers from uh, Before It's News. And then right up under where that is is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. You get that once a day. It goes out between 7 and 8 p.m. Eastern. And um, <clears throat> if you want our ministry mail, if you want to know what's going on in the Sons of Liberty, it's more than just radio or Internet. It's out among the people teaching our Christian constitutional heritage. Uh, you can go to sonsoflibertyradio.com, sign up for that email right on the front page. You get it once a week. It's, it comes out on Saturdays. And you get some exclusive content as to where we're going, what we're doing, and those kinds of things. And then finally, uh, our store is available. Lots of great conversation starters as well as some equipping tools in there. And then if you want to help us, if you want to help keep us out there doing what we're doing, there's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that and make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty and we do appreciate you guys very much i mean we we're going to do what we're going to do anyway but it's easier and we can do a lot more with the support so we do thank you very much we really do um i got a couple of little short videos that i want to do before we bring our guest on and the last one is going to kind of to me it kind of ties into what we're going to talk about today uh this one is and i don't know this guy I don't even know if I can pronounce his name correctly. Poker player. He's a poker player. Aaron Duczak. D-U-C-Z-A-K. You guys know I'm not. I'm just, I'll butcher a name in a moment. But this guy is a poker, poker player. He's caught on the hot mic. And I want you to hear what he says. Take a listen to this. I wish I would have never got the vaccine. Oh, what? What's that? I wish I never would have got the vaccine. I never did. Uh, I've been having chest still, pain ever since I had that thing. Really? Yeah. Still, you're still having it? Yeah, every time to time. And oh they're saying God. that you get uh, hard arteries. And yeah, 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 yeah. So I need to go get it checked out. Oh, but, I mean, but ever since, dude, it's just... That's horrible. It's been weird. I held out. I held out until like a month ago. Not even a month ago. Oh, is that right? Why did you decide to get it then also? I don't want to come play the World Series. Oh, they didn't have that guideline this right now. Pardon me? They didn't yeah, have that. a foreigner, you can't get into oh. US. Brian Kim also so, sent to the rail earlier. So you you got a hot mic catching this this poker player. I guess I guess he's a famous guy. I don't, maybe some of you guys could tell me that. I, I don't oh maybe some of you guys could tell me exactly what's going on there if you if you know who this guy is. Uh and then there's this one, and then we'll play one last one. Now this is this is dealing with and by the way, you know, I don't rejoice in these people taking these shots. And the Bible says that, that the world lies in the lap of the wicked one. These people are deceived. They are deceiving themselves and they're deceived by the wicked one. And I, it's a sad thing that men fall into these traps. And the, I, I got to tell you, the only reason that people don't fall into these traps right here, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, is the grace of God to you. I just I don't know any other way to say it. He's merciful to you in some capacity um, in in doing that. This is the guy, the the football player, 
And again, I don't watch football or something, but this was a big news item, so I know what the guy's name is, DeMar Hamlin. And I have to ask the question, is DeMar an actor? Is he faking something? Was whatever happened to him legit? Is it trying to is there disinformation that's being funneled in here through the Mockingbird media because we see a lot of people now who are dying from other things, and it's very clearly stated they die from suicide, they die from a car wreck, and they're being thrown in the mix with everybody else. And I think it's to distort the fact that they have so many of these that are unexplained. Of course, if you can add two and two, you can sort of put the dots together if you've been paying attention to what's going on. This is Damar Hamlin. I want you to hear what he says when he's asked about, you know, what went on with him here. Check this out. 24, peak physical condition, can run circles around me right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how did doctor describe what happened to you now listen um um that's something i want to stay away from something i want to stay away from he's going to ask him again we'll let play one more time can run circles around me right now <laughs> <laughs> how did doctor describe what happened to you? Um, I have to think about this a long time. Am I putting my life on the line? I, um, that's something I want to stay away from. Something he wants to stay away from. Now, why is that? And you, you've seen the pictures, right? You, you've seen the pictures. He's in his hospital. He's, he's in his jersey and his hat, for goodness sake. And by the way, it's kind of interesting, don't you think, the, the threes that are on the jersey there? All this kind of stuff on the hats. It's, and, and they're doing the little love signs. Isn't that cute? It's something I want to stay away from. I don't want to tell you what happened to me. Because either it didn't happen, I was faking it for whatever reason, or if I tell you, they're going to kill me. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not in his life. I just find that very interesting because anybody else brought in that situation would be telling you everything that was going on. They would, if they were not DeMar Hamlin. Now, this is going to get into what we're going to talk about today. Some of this might get a little heady. I don't want people to be scared. You know what? When you when you preach, your message is to both feed the young lambs and the mature ones, right? So you have something in the mix that, that covers everybody. So we're going to do that today. But if some things get a little heady for you, please don't leave. Please don't quit listening. Uh, we, want, we, want to, we want to feed everybody if we can. I asked the Lord for a word. I, give us a word for your people that they need to hear today. That's what I want. But this right here, I, I got to tell you. Now, it doesn't have, I don't think I have sound on this. But, yeah, I don't have sound on this. But I'll, So I'll narrate for our radio audience, okay? There is a guy here, he's got like a, it's one of these uh, Chrysler products. It's a Challenger or a, what's the other one? The Challenger or the Charger. I, I think it's a Challenger. I, I don't know. Anyway, you know these cars are not designed to carry like big stuff, right? This guy has a 75-inch television in the box that he's got from Target that he's going to try to fit in his trunk. And when it doesn't fit in his trunk, he says, I'll just lay it out in the middle of the road, and, well, you'll see. Check this out. So the guy has got it. It's just incredible to me. This is a grown man. He's going to lift it up. He, you can see it is not going to fit in the trunk, and he's, he's trying to shut the trunk. 
So he takes it and he lays it down in the parking lot beside the car, shuts the trunk, gets his keys out. I think he's probably going to back over it. That was my initial response, right? He just backs out enough to open the back door. He says, make me to fit in the back seat better than the trunk. And that's smaller than the trunk. I mean, look at it. It's, look at that. This is the grown man trying to do this. So then he has this bright idea. Okay. And this is a Samsung UHD. So this is an expensive television. I'll just stick it on the back of the car. The spoiler hold it. No problem. Right? Drives off with it. You can't make this up. You, you really can't make it up. What is going on that we are being so dumbed down as a people? One, it's purposeful. Now, if you tune in the show every Wednesday, you'll hear that from uh, Lynn Taylor and myself. You'll see how government has been behind it. But it's also the church and their lack of endorsement of what God says in Deuteronomy 6 that education, which starts with the foundation of learning God's commands, the parents having those commands in their hearts and teaching them diligently their children all day long, not sending them off to an eight-hour state indoctrination center to become good little statists, but to teach them how to be followers of the Lord Jesus. And that's where it falls to us. So, with that said... And the dumbing down of America, we want to be part of the of the solution. We've always wanted to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Uh, joining me this morning is Dr. Jordan Grant. And Jordan, you sent me, first of all, uh, welcome to the Sons of Liberty, brother. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I got JBS on there from uh, where we had Evan on. Sorry about that. He is not with JBS, by the way. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, you sent me a bio, and I, within the hustle and bustle today, I forgot to open it up. So let, let me let me just open it to you. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and um, who you are and what you do? And uh, and we'll, we'll talk about why we got you on the show here in a second. Sure. So I'm a general urologist, uh, basically a body plumber. Um, in Paris, Texas, and um, I've got a long, interesting story, but basically, uh, I'm from a small town 45 minutes south of here called Sulphur Springs, Texas. Went to the Texas A&M, got a finance degree, graduated there in 2002, and uh, worked for a year in the corporate world, hated it, <laughs> decided I wanted to be a doctor, so I went back and had to get all my prerequisites for med school. It took three years, ended up getting into med school uh, at Texas Tech. And then I did a urology residency for five years in Temple, Texas at uh, Baylor Scott and White. Uh, met my wife in residency, who is also a urologist, and um, we are here in Paris, Texas. We've been here almost, we've been here about four and a half years. We were in Shreveport for two years, and now we're here. Um, I've been a Christian, I would say my whole life. Um, I don't think I really had any true understanding of things probably until my early 20s um, when I started reading the Bible on my own. Um, came to see a lot of things that I was never taught growing up um, or I just didn't didn't listen to, but things I never knew about, you know. Um, and basically when I was in my, right before going off to medical school, I really dug in hard to some philosophy, presuppositional apologetics, got into Gordon Clark, John Robbins Trinity Foundation, uh, learned a lot about logic. Um, that really helped me as I went into med school uh, to kind of tease through a lot of the things that were pushed from textbooks. And, and it's easy to spot, you know, fallacies once you know them. 
And so it kind of helped me weed through a lot of that. Not everything. I still bought a lot of stuff just because you have to memorize so much information just to pass tests. I mean, that's the whole point of it all, really. Not the whole point, but first couple of years of med school is just regurgitation. So, um, and then basically the last three years, you know, with the COVID stuff has been uh, a real paradigm shifter for me. Um, that's probably been my, I don't say claim to fame because I'm not famous, but people, people that know me know I've been very outspoken about uh, COVID. Um, I bought the, the story when it first started. I just, I thought it was weird, you know, um, I've been a libertarian probably since 2007. And so anytime the media or government starts uh, promoting anything, I always look deeper because I know it's usually nonsense. Um, so got into really trying to figure out what was going on and um, stumbled upon some things about viruses. And somebody said, viruses have never been proven to exist and all this stuff. And I'm going, eh, that's crazy. You know, I'm a doctor, whatever. We know what we know better. <laughs> well, um, I started looking deeper at it. And uh, sure enough, that's a rabbit trail um, that we can talk about, but that's, yeah. that's led me here um, to, uh, I've done a lot of interviews with people talking about that. My, my bigger focus really is my passion is sound thinking. Um, and because I've seen so much bad thinking now with people who have responded to me and people I know that were making these arguments, um, it's similar across the board. It's basically the, the scientism uh, technocracy mindset, uh, which all stems from, I think secular authority worship uh, and just really people being dumbed down and not Amen. knowing how to actually think. So. Yeah. Amen. No, you're saying a lot of things that we've had others on. We've had Dr. Andrew Kaufman and I'm probably, I'm assuming he's one yes. of the guys you're referring to. And yeah. I asked him because we had, we had him on, we've had him on the show several times. I, I love Andy to come on. He's very intelligent. He doesn't get emotional. It's just like, here's the facts of what we've got going on. Yeah. And one of the things I asked him, I said, well, do you not get to ask questions in medical school? And he goes, no, you're too busy listening, writing down notes, trying to regurgitate. That was my word that I used as well. Regurgitate the information so you can pass tests, so you can get the sheepskin, so you can get to work. Sure. And he said, it's not only till you get out there and you practice, which is kind of an interesting word too, isn't it? Uh, doctors are practicing. <laughs> uh, let, that, let that sink in just for a second. If you're practicing working on your car, or if yeah. you're practicing surgery, <laughs> it, it should scare the life out of you uh, to go in there. I'm glad you brought up Gordon Clark. Uh, I've got several books that I just pulled off the shelf here. I love Gordon Clark. Um, Trinity Foundation is great, too. I know Mr. Wordsworth and the chat will love that because John Robbins and company uh, expose a lot of the papacy and things of this nature yeah. as well. And I'm glad they do that. Now, I have a little different theology. Mine's probably closer to yours, at least at this point. Um uh, of seeing scripture going to its context, its audience, and all that kind of thing. But yeah. there's this book here. I read this with my my boys. This is uh, Gordon Clark's Logic. Now, you guys have heard me speak about the Logos. Uh, the, when, when, when John writes that the Word became flesh, and he's talking that God became flesh, uh, that's the, the, when, you, when you see the Word there, Word, you know, Nancy would say, oh, the Word. Nancy Pelosi, the word, I love the word, because the word is the word, and the word is the word, and we love the word, and that's how Nancy talks about the Bible. But the Bible communicates to us that the logos, or the logic, that's where we get the word logic. God is not illogical. Everything is logical. This is why we have such a trust in him that even when the bad things are going on in the world, he is completely in, in control. There is no molecule in the universe 
that is autonomous, running off on its own, doing whatever. Everything is in complete harmony, and God is even is working even the bad things, is what Paul writes in Romans 8.28, together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So we have great confidence in that. But we're going to talk a little bit about logic, and in order to do that, let's start with a, a big word for some people. Some people may not know what it is, but epistemology. This is where we get, this is an understanding of, well, where do we get our knowledge? Most of us would say, well, we got it from mom and dad. Well, we, I learned to do this from such and such. Yeah, but where did they get it from? And then where did that person get it from? And how does this stuff develop? Can you speak a little bit? We're, we're talking to people who, some people may be PhDs. Some people may have masters or, or bachelors or whatever. Can you talk to the average Joe, the average redneck like me out here? I got a high school diploma, a little bit of college. It meant that I went there to goof off because I didn't want to go. Um, and I don't have a sheepskin or anything like that. Can you talk to the average guy like me uh, who may say, well, what the heck is it, epistemology, and what does it have to do with logic, and what does logic have to do with the Christian faith? Yeah, and I'm not a philosopher by any means. I mean, I think we're all philosophers, obviously, to some extent, um, but I'm not formally trained. I mean, this has all been just a hobby uh, for me. So I, I think talking about it in, in normal terms is is important. Um, but, you know, you, in philosophy, you get – Metaphysics, epistemology, ethics are sort of the trinity of philosophy, if you start looking into that. But epistemology, I mean, I really learned most of how to think about that from Clark. Um, and then I've ventured in other areas, but it's basically just this, I don't want to say the word science, because that's I hate that when it's applied to not natural science, but especially the science of knowledge. How do you know anything at all, right? Like, what is your epistemology? And, you know, there were, I think, several big um, groups through history, on there were basically the empiricists who claimed that all knowledge comes from sensory experience, which is still a common, it's common now, but there's lots of twists to it. There were uh, rationalists, uh, which is sort of like logic. You know, they think you can reason anything just based on pure reason alone. Um, and then there's more the presuppositionalists, right? And there's a couple camps in Christianity with between Van Til and Gordon Van Til and, and uh, I'm sorry, Cornelius Van Til and Gordon Clark. Clark was a uh, call a dogmatist or scripturalist who um, basically said we have to start with scripture. And the reason reason for that is very easy because a lot of people don't understand if you try to reason backwards to first principles as far as how do I know that? Well, how do I know that? Well, how do I know that? You end up in what's called an infinite regress, right? That's right. Um, yep. So everybody has to start somewhere. The, the idea that you start as a blank slate is nonsensical. Um, we all pick our axioms from which, where we start reasoning. And Clark was saying, basically, these non-believers they can't um, complain if we pick Scripture as our, our starting point, scriptural truth, when they do the same thing arbitrarily. That's with right. Whatever. Yep. Um, and that stood out to me because it's true. And, and you know, there's a, a pagan, uh, um, I don't know if it's a real person, but it's called uh, Agrippa's Trilemma or Munchausen's Trilemma. And I remember when I first read that, and this was probably 2006 or seven, and it was the same thing, that all reasoning ends up either circular um, or infinite regress or you start axiomatically. You, those are your, pretty much your three options. And the Van Til camp is more into the circular part. And, and circular reasoning, when it comes to foundations, is fine. We yes, all have to sure. kind of start there. And that's similar to 
you know, choosing an axiom and starting from there. The infinite regress just leads you into absurdity, you know, and, and skepticism, you know, essentially. Um, as far as empiricism goes, which again is is just, you know, and Clark railed against empiricism as a philosophy. I think where Clark went wrong later in life is he basically rejected any sensory knowledge whatsoever. Yes. Yeah. And I don't agree. It always bothered me, and I've tried to stick with it, and um, I've kind of reformulated my own thoughts on that over the last year or two. But as a starting point, as foundational knowledge, you know, I think he was spot on. And I think even the, you know, the philosophers of old struggled with this. You know, Plato and Aristotle, that's why they had, you know, it's this issue of, like, the one and the many, right? These you know, we all have this world of ideas that aren't tangible, but they're still real. You have to have this knowledge in your mind. And I think it's, again, it's part of the image of God and man. I agree. Is, is the, the logic of God. It's, it's in everyone. And you these these ideas and how to reason, they're there. That's why children, when they can't speak, still are learning. And it's not just, oh, they see objects and they somehow piece all this together with this evolutionary theory of language and it's absurd you know we we all kind of i hate to say are programmed like robots but there's a programming there's something already in our minds and structured in the way that we can interact and understand the world whether that is through sensory or through propositional knowledge yeah i think that's a great explanation i like the difference that you put there for people who don't know there was a controversy back in the 20th century between cornelius van til and gordon clark in fact they really kind of railroaded clark on the issue um, you know, trying to kick him out of the church and everything else. And um, it, it's really sad because, like you said, both of those guys, I, I got to tell you, I think both of those guys God used greatly in the church. And he still He still uses their impact in the church. You know, it's like I tell people, they, oh, I just stick with the Bible. Yeah, sure you do. Because the point is, whatever knowledge you got, you got not only from the Bible, but you got it from other people. That God uses... He uses the he uses the people in this church from different backgrounds, from different countries, different cultures and all, and they get some of the things right, sometimes they get a lot of things right, and then they get some stuff wrong. And it's like, okay, we can recognize that, but we look we're not following them, we're following the Lord Jesus. So I, I know some people are, are are probably have some question. And I've given some of these examples before. You're talking about not leaving the foundation of scripture. And when I work with NiceInCouncil.com, uh, I would run the YouTube channel. I encounter a lot of professed atheists. There is no such thing. Professed agnostic. There is no such thing. The Bible says you yeah. know there's a God, but you choose to suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So that programming that's in there, they want to somehow throw it in the recycle bin and not look at it. And But for whatever reason, it keeps doing a blue screen of death from Bill Gates, and it brings it back out. Uh, and so, so it keeps putting it back on the page. And so the question that I would have for you that I think probably maybe some unbelievers would be listening, they would go, well, why should I start with the Bible? I mean, we have a lot of quote-unquote holy holy books out there. What makes it unique? Why should I listen to that? Why should I start my epistemology with the Bible? I mean, it's written by men. It's not written by God. And all of this kind of stuff. What would you mm -hmm. say to somebody like that if they have? And, and I'm saying they're saying it sincerely. They're saying, "I want to hear what you say," but I just don't, I don't get that point. Yeah, and it's a great question because I've had trouble with that one. Honestly, um, I can't remember if it was John Robbins I was listening to because they they you know have a very different look on apologetics than say more like a traditional apologetics that thinks it's our job to convince people of the truth. Um, only God convinces you of the truth. Um, that's right by the, by the Holy Spirit and so 
it's hard to tell somebody, you know, why they should believe the scriptures over whatever else. You can show them the consistency of the worldview uh, and how that plays out, but that doesn't make it necessarily uh, the truth. You know what I mean? Like we can all. It doesn't make it effectual. It doesn't make it effectual to them. Correct. Correct. It's hard hard to put it into words um, because you know it's it's sort of like you know let's say we're talking about the the Van Til side right and they use all the proofs for God right the the transcendental arguments and all that doesn't get you to the God of Scripture they start with the God of Scripture right and um, and so these proofs for God and all this it doesn't get you to the Christian God at all you could get you to a Creator maybe any of these quote unquote you know ontological arguments and all these things transcendental. Um, but you still just have to start with scripture and, and reason from there. And so it's hard to tell people this is why you should believe scripture other than you just proclaim it. You proclaim this is the truth that That's you're right. convicted of. And and then God does the work. You know, it's, yes. it's not my job to sit there and convince people the Bible's true or because they're going to go through all the, the empirical crap that can't be known all the history part and all this. People always appeal to history and all these things that they can't know any of that. And that, that's a bigger philosophical topic that I love, you know, if you read historiography by Gordon Clark, it's amazing um, when you start seeing the problems with historiography. Um, so we, we just, we just, we have to, that's why I think Clark was so emphatic. I'm not just like a Clark fanboy by any means. I'm just saying so emphatic about picking your starting points and reasoning from there. Um, could there be other, and he agreed there could be other starting points people could find and reason and still have a consistent worldview that matches reality. He just couldn't really find it. And, and so it was more like that was more the pragmatic side, right? Well, with scripture, we start and we actually get to a philosophy that matches with reality. That doesn't necessarily make it true because, I mean, again, we get into these other topics outside of theology with quote unquote pseudoscience. And you can make up a million stories that fit the, the in effect. And that doesn't mean those stories true. So um, that would be an affirming the consequent logical fallacy. So, um it's more just we, we talk about I talk about it more from the philosophical side. I've gotten into a few with unbelievers, you know, they're friends, you know, with the virus topic and all that. Why do you know Bible's written by men, all this stuff, and you kind of put it you turn it back on them because it's like, well, all the source material you're claiming is written by men. That's right. right. Like, yep. It's self self defeating. That's right. So Well, and God uses things that you know, the scripture says that it's the foolishness of preaching. And I used to I used to get into these things on the YouTube channel. Uh, with the eight, the professed atheist, and one of the things I said, look, I know if I abandon my foundation, which for me was Romans 1 to them, and I've had people on the show, some people have heard uh, one guy who was challenging me on this, that, and the other, you got to prove that God exists. I don't have to prove God exists because it is self-evident in you. And how do I know that? Romans 1, you know there's a God, you don't want to honor him as God, and I can't tell you how many times I would interact with people on YouTube uh, during this time, who profess to be atheists, it would take about three or four times to say, I'm not moving from my foundation. My foundation in your mind should be just as legitimate as your foundation. Because right. you, you're not saying it's an exclusive all, all. I am. And I wouldn't do that. And I said, let's just be honest. You know God is there. Why do you hate him? This was one of the things, and I've told the audience, uh, when we watched the film, God's Not Dead. I'm sure you've probably seen that. They get up to the high, the real peak there where the guy's challenging him. He says, why are you saying you're with God? Before he did that, I paused the movie. I remember we're, I'm in the corner of my dining room. Our living room is upstairs now. This is the dining room, but this was our living room for just a little scrunched place. And all my kids were here, and my wife was sitting here. And I paused the movie. I said, 
He's going to ask him, this is leading up to this, I can just see it, never seen the movie, he's going to ask him, you know, why are you angry with God, what's the problem with God, this, that, and the other, and the guy's going to say, he's going to start laying, God did this, God, every time, every time I brought that up to one of these professed atheists or agnostic, they would go, well, God did this, the church did that to me, my mom died, God let this happen to me, and I said, okay, good. Now we're on a situation where you're at least being honest and we can talk about that and your perception of what's going on. And I would have great conversations with these people. And this is the thing I think that you're talking about with Paul. Like with Paul, he goes on Mars Hill. He didn't go in there and go, you bunch of idolaters. He just says, I see you're religious and I want to tell you about the God that you don't know. He's the creator of all things. And he starts there, the creator of all things. Yeah. And then he tells you who that creator is, or he's still trying to tell them who the creator is and how he sent his son, but they don't want to hear it. They, we're, we're talking about something else. It's a little, it's a little too religious for us, even though we're religious people. So that's that's the kind of thing that plays out. All right. So I think that's a good. I think that's a, a fair and honest assessment. One of the things that we deal with now is we've got a lot of people talking about. You know, we're hearing out of, out of our government, and let me just say, I think the whole UFO thing is bunk. I think if there is such Things and we have had people talk about interactions with aliens or extraterrestrials. By the way, Jesus is an extraterrestrial. God is an extraterrestrial. Angels are extraterrestrial. They're not of this earth. Demons are extraterrestrial. So if they're giving you a message opposite of what Scripture says, who do you think they are affiliated with? That's the question I have. But we're hearing a lot of that kind of stuff, and so you've got different worldviews that are there. Why, if I asked you, I said, what would be what you would present to me? Okay, I'm a person that will recognize there's a God and that we're accountable to him. Maybe you're like a, a, a Mark Passio. I don't think Mark is a, um, a Christian, but I think, he, I think there is some reasoning there that, that ties right in with Scripture. But he goes to all these other places and he looks for, you know, this, this instead of a, a God who is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he's looking to this, I don't know, a, council of supernatural beings and all this other what would you how would you come across with people to bring the gospel to them what would be this because i believe it's simple and i believe it is that we preach to them the foolishness of preaching what would you do in that situation to deal with somebody who has this this aspect where they get we have a natural law and i believe there is a natural law and i believe god codified it within the scriptures uh, and expounded upon it so it would be much clearer to us, what would you say to somebody like that to draw them or to point them to the Lord Jesus? That's a great question. You're putting me on the spot here. Okay, all right. Well, I mean, we want to think. I'm not trying to put you on the spot, yeah. but what would you no, say to somebody like that? Because, no, I admit that's a that's a downfall I have of, of internalizing these things in my mind intellectually and not always going. I've not dealt with this stuff as street preaching like a lot of you guys do. You know, I've not done that, you know, and that's that's always intimidated me. I'm I'm better behind a keyboard, I think. Um, but to me, somebody like that, or a lot of the libertarians in general, right, who argue for quote unquote natural law, there's no there's no such thing as natural law in the sense that they're talking about. There, the the we we talk about we go okay, yeah, I know what you mean. That's the law of God, right? But from their standpoint, they're they're using an inductive fallacy, right? Like they they think you can get an ought from an is. You cannot look at nature and get an ought doesn't work like that so if you if i want to look at just what men do in general or what animals do i can't get love your neighbor as yourself i can't get don't murder you know what i mean um you have to have an objective starting point 
And so, again, that's where Scripture for us comes in, because Scripture is, in God's Word, is our objective, That's right. ultimate authority. Yep. You cannot have an ultimate authority from, quote-unquote, nature, whatever that means. That's arbitrary. I don't even know what nature that's right. is. So um, I, I still share it more like you've you got to get into that side of it with a lot of those guys, because they are intellectual, and they're savvy with a lot of this stuff, and they understand property rights really well. But it's like, where are you getting your standard from? Yeah. Right? And so that's everything always in my mind goes back to by what standard are you making that ought claim? Um, and then we can get into, well, here's what the scripture says. And scriptures do support property rights and they support all these things that you stand for. Again, that doesn't mean they're going to believe it. That's that's God's job to convict them. But you can at least show them the consistency, you know, there. Um, but they don't like the idea. I think a lot of them that God owns you, that God is sovereign. Because that's like the ultimate, you know, true libertarian mindset, which I am a libertarian, but a Christian libertarian. Um, a lot of people, they really can't stand the idea of that they don't own themselves, but then they become an, an authority unto themselves. That's right. And it's self-defeating because then if you're an authority to yourself and that guy is over there, he can do whatever he wants to you and you can do whatever you want to him. There's no right or wrong. You still have to have an ultimate authority and it can't be nature. Yeah, and, and I, I, you know, let me let me just show people. This is uh, from Webster's eighteen twenty eight. This is Noah Webster. Here, just for people who 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 call themselves libertarians, let me let me tell you what you're doing. He says pertaining to liberty, or to the doctrine of free will, as opposed to the doctrine of necessity. Now, I would assume since you're you're a guy who who likes Gordon Clark and and such. Uh, that you would, and I don't, I don't, I don't even like using the terms. I don't, I don't really like yeah. using the terms Calvinist or Reformed or any. Look, I know what they are. I use them in certain circles right. where people know what that is. If they, if they, if I know they're a straw man, I just, I don't do it. I, you <laughs> teach the Bible. The Bible tells you what these things are. It's not yeah. attributable to man, even though God used men, as Peter says, holy. Uh, holy men moved by the Holy Spirit to write the scriptures over the period of not, you know, a bunch of guys got together and did this over thousands of years to write these things. The difference is, is, and people say, oh, well, you're, you're against free will. I'm not against choice. You make choices. You're the one doing it. You're the one desiring to do it. But your will is bound by either your sin or by your servitude to the master, which we call Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's a thing, and you hit on something here, and for my libertarian friends who are not Christians, I would say there is a libertarian Christian. His bumpers are the word of God that keeps him from going in the ditch on both sides because there are ditches to fall in. Jesus said, blind lead the blind, they're going to fall into the ditch. But these guys, they go without that, and you're right. They get some things right, and you want to say, yes. This guy, uh, what was his name? He did the show, Adam versus the Man. Um, oh, uh, Kokesh. Kokesh, thank you. And I see him, I see some of his reasoning, I'm going, that's really good. But, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day, right? I mean, he's without the light of the Word of God and the understanding there. And I appreciate some stands. And then some things I go, where did you just pull that out of? Where did that come from? I would say, if people were to find me, I would say I'm a Christian libertarian. In other words, I believe in liberty. Christ has set us free. I am not falling into this category of touch not, taste not, want not kind of pharisaicalism, which is what I see. But rather, Christ has set us free for liberty that we might serve him in whatever capacity that he has given us. And so this is why I see guys who are really smart serving the Lord in whatever capacity, people who are 
you know, poor people who are uh, ditch diggers, if you want to call it that, people who are doctors and all this. God uses, he pulls men out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation and, and different things. Yep. What would you say to a libertarian? Because I do think there is a law of nature. Uh, when Paul says that what they're, what men with men are engaged in is unnatural, or the women is unnatural, he is appealing to nature. I, I think we see it as part of the image of God, like you said. We see it as self-evident. I don't have to prove it to you. Yeah. And so when we when we have people who are libertarians um, who would come in without a Christian worldview and say, why are we worried about trannies in um, you know a, 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 a school or a, a library teaching these things? How would you come at that person and give an argument to say, wait a minute, we know this is wrong, not just by the Word of God, Nature teaches us this. The, the very creation, the elements of all creation that God has given us teaches us this is wrong. We should be opposed to it. And I'm going to go a step further because I think the Bible says this too, that you're worthy of death for engaging in these things. And even as the end of Romans 1 says, those who promote it, they have pleasure in promoting it and stuff. You're worthy of death too. This is a pretty serious thing. And to me, that leads <clears throat> up to the issue of why the gospel is so great because all of us, if it doesn't matter if we're promoting transvestites, drag queens, or LGBT, we can be an adulterer, we can be a liar, we can be a thief. All these things are deserving of death. How do you respond to somebody like that? Oh man, again, putting on the spot. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one because that that does um, that's hard for me because I am such a a libertarian in the sense of um, how men act among men um, that. It, it's because I don't like a lot of the laws that we have that, that quote unquote, you know, I don't say regulate morality because that's all laws can do. Yes. Um, that's, all law that's, is morality. All law is morality. So, yeah, I get that. It's more like, you know, like drug laws and things where people are, I, I'm not, I'm not for drug laws. I'm for, you know, people being responsible that's for their right. action. Um, and as far as the tranny stuff and all that, again, some of that's kind of a moot point if you accept the paradigm of uh, public schooling and all this stuff, because once you're, if you're, you know, Christians, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be participating in those systems. Come in the on, first place. go ahead and preach that. That's fine. I mean, so to me, it's sort of like it's like the welfare welfare argument. They're like, we got to crack down on this welfare, and I'm like, why are you supporting the state? That's a status argument, you know. Like, you know, we got we can't give this welfare to the to them illegals, we got to give it to our people. It's like, no, you're missing the point. So to me, it's sort of like, but I think from a Christian standpoint, again, you proclaim what's right because of, of what is right, objectively. This LGBT, whatever agenda, and not all of them are like this, right? But the hard That's correct. Yep. where it's just they're, they're actively encouraging just debauchery and just, just horde. I mean, it affects the culture. It really does. It affects it no matter what. Um, but again, without a Christian worldview, it's hard It's hard to argue that with them because a true libertarian that's a secular libertarian is going to say, look, they're not hurting anybody. You know, well, define hurt, right? Define that. If they're just doing it to themselves, it's one thing. If they're out there actively promoting it, I guess this is where personal responsibility and parenting, though, comes in sure. to find ways to just stand up to that instead of saying, no, we got to crack down from a government perspective or this, we can't, we got to cancel these people. We got to be cancel culture people ourselves. I'm not for that as much as just Christians learning how to stand up and speak the truth That's and right. also get out of these systems. Stop trying to 
quote unquote change them from within. It drives me nuts. Yeah. I'm not why would I get in the mud with, with these people and want to change it? Be like me joining the mafia to change the mafia. It's insane. Mm. So for me it's more like we have we have a, a different system, completely separate system. It's laid out for us, the principles are there. Why can't we live that out? Why yeah. can't we do that with, with our own schooling and our and, and everything when it you know in life? Um that's been my biggest like thing the last three years is trying to figure out how do we actually live out kingdom life as Christians? I'm not saying be completely isolated from other people, but right. stand up parallel, right? Like, and, and have that system to where we are, we're different. We're standing out and people notice it. And, you know, anyway, that's a tangent. I'm sorry. I didn't really answer your question because <laughs> your question was, it's a hard one because I don't have a good answer. It's one I've not thought about actually on the on all the tranny stuff. I mean, we're all disgusted. Most people are disgusted by it. Even even yep. non-Christians, um, the majority, I'm not saying the majority rules, but majority of people in the world would look at those kind of things and go, this is not natural, like you say. It's disgusting. And because from a scripturalist standpoint, we understand why, right? It's not natural. It's not right. And there are consequences to that. And there's far-reaching consequences to these agendas because it destroys the family unit and it destroys... <sighs> love you know true yeah. love yeah um and so that yeah that we just have to be bold about that but not necessarily hateful about it either to, to people but you're not going to convince some people about this and i think the thing is it's such a small percentage that do it but the media and all this has propped it up and that's where it gets spewed where it's hollywood or the media or the government propaganda or this woke co corporate cultures that promote this crap again we don't have to participate in that stuff that yeah. just get just sure. stop Stop promoting it. Sure. So. Well, here, here's the thing, and I don't want to hit just all the top buttons of a you know drag queen story thing. I mean, I know right. they're I know they're sort of the red meat, but they're the things that are being thrown in our face. And when I was a kid, I mean, I'm 54 years old, just turned 54. When when I was a kid, I never I I didn't I didn't know anybody who was a sodomite. I, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody who was a lesbian. I mean, it there was one kid in high school where I went, that most people thought he was because, you know, he's, and he was a fashion designer and he wore his hair really weird and he hung out with all the girls and stuff like that. So you could pretty much associate, if nothing else, he was effeminate, which the Bible condemns as well. And you, you mentioned it's disgusting. Well, the, that's what the word abominable means. It doesn't even call sodomy a sin. It calls it an abomination, that that's what they're engaged in. And I've often told, I've said it on the air, Look, um, if you're engaged in that lifestyle, you know what? So were some of the early Christians. Uh, Corinthians, Paul writes that such were some of you. But it, it, let me let me get to the thing. We can reason, and I think reasoning is good. Uh, God calls His people to reason with Him. Let me let me put it before you. You know, I'm going to lay it out here before you, kind of like what He did with Job. Were you there when I formed the? You know, yep. foundations of the earth. Were you there when the angels rejoiced? And were you there with all? And Job's like, no, I wasn't there. I'm listening and learning, though. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to listen and learn. And what I see with many libertarians is I call it a practical Satanism because it is it is an element of humanism. They are, they are voicing, at least in some extent, the image of God, but it's a marred image of God. It's, it's marred because of the fall, because of yep. they're in their father, Adam. And what we... Again, I go back to what the Scripture says. What you and I engage in, we want to reason with people, but some people you can't reason with. And so that's where the gospel comes in, and you yeah. say, look, if you don't repent, 
you're going to die in your sin. And it's not a, it's not a, we don't exercise judicial judgment. That's Jesus alone. But we do exercise moral judgment. Now, can you speak to something here? This is something that I often like to bring up, and that is as far as government. I say every government in the world is a theocracy. Some people have a problem with that, but the fact of the matter is the God of the society determines the laws and the punishments for that society. If you're Islamic, guess what you're getting? Sharia. If you're a Christian, you're going to use the scriptures. If you're if you're uh, if you claim to be in Judaism, you're going to use the Talmud. Some of them are going to use the Talmud and the Old Testament, whatever the case may be. If you're a, if you're a humanist or a communist, or whatever, you're going to take whatever comes day by day through the mind of man to deal with you. And I think we we've largely fallen into that in the United States of America because our real forefathers, the Scottish Covenanters and the guys who came before them, uh, all these people who are bound by the Solemn League and Covenant, what do they want to do? They're, the American dream was really, can we build a culture through government and individualism that is seeking to honor the God of Scripture? That's what the American dream originally was. What would you say to people who say, well, you can't legislate morality. I know you've already agreed with me that you can. Somebody's morality is legislated. Let's just be be honest about that. But the real issue really comes down to self-government, doesn't it? I mean, that's where, where God starts everything, governing ourselves, governing our family, governing in the church, the assembly of the people of God. And then if you have a civil government, governing in that. Can you speak to those people who would say, well, I agree with you on some of this stuff, but this Jesus stuff and the Bible, that's a little too far. Can you can you speak to people about that? And then I want to bring us to an issue of what the real death blow is to all of this. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so that's another one that I've been, because when you become a libertarian, quote unquote, I guess you start reading a lot of this other stuff and trying to figure out, okay, what's the actual solution um, from a Christian standpoint? And I'm not an expert on that by any means, because I think there's many ways you could do it. But I totally agree with you when it comes to, I, I think people hate the word government. I think that's the problem with when libertarians hear that word, they just kind of cringe and they get turned off. Not understand that they still argue for it too, because there's all kinds of private law, books yep. on private law and voluntarism and anarcho-capitalism. And so with most of these, I'd say that, especially like the, from the Mises Foundation, those guys get it, you know, and they're not necessarily coming at it from a Christian perspective that you can have governance um, that's voluntary, you know, people sign on to, but it, there's, a, there's like you say, it starts at the individual level, self-government, but what does that mean, right? Again, you have to have a standard to know how to govern yourself, to know what's right and wrong, and that's you start, everything starts from Scripture for the Christian. So your principles come from there, whether it's, individual family the church part i still because you know there's so many different ways quote-unquote churches are organized um that it it frustrates me a lot to see that i'm not really a mainstream church guy because i can't stand to see some of the the sappiness and the politicization and all the big organizations and how it's set up so again you have to have a scriptural standard to know how to run a a group of a community of believers, we'll call it that. Let's say you had a community that got together and formed an actual society of, of Christians, and there's going to have to be some type of quote-unquote governance, right? But it will start with the individual and then move up in layers. Um, civil, I think, is where we get in the weeds, because I have trouble, because in my even in my own mind, it's when I hear civil government, I think of the state. Yes, and I have me to too. Always, 
I have to always separate that out and not become emotional about it and say civil government does not equal state monopoly on force, right? And yet it does, right? It does do that. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, it just—it's so frustrating because you—you. You, but then you have to go. Okay, how would we set that up, and what principles are we going to use? Because then I'm not a, a theonomist in the hardcore sense, right? Like I don't want—I don't see a structure in society based on how Israel. Like we are the Israel of God. We're the fulfillment of that. Amen, brother. And so I—I I don't. I'm not a hardcore dominionist theonomist in the sense of. Rush Dooney and a lot of those guys. Um, but I do agree with their focus on, you know, on the law and all this. If they just, I think it would take it a little too far. That's just my opinion based on what I see in Scripture. And I don't see the, I don't see it prescribing us as Christians to go around and start Christian states, right? And then hammer unbelievers with that. Like that's... Right. You know what I mean? Like, and so you, you have more of the negative laws, the, private, the protection of property rights. You have um, ways to, you know, have arbiters between disputes and things like that. As far as laws on the immorality side, I mean, my gosh, I'm not going to sit there and tell somebody to go stone that adulterer because we all do it in our mind. You know what I mean? Like, to me, it's more, it, that's what Jesus was saying when he was saying, you know, if you've even thought about it, you've, you've already murdered your brother. That's you know? right. But so what does it... Yes, there should be consequences when you do it in reality versus thinking it. But we yes. have to also understand we're we're not better in that sense than these other people. Like we all do it. We we're covered by grace, but we have to be careful. We have to be gracious to other people too. But yeah, it's a, I'd love to hear more ideas about how to structure these things because it's something I think about a lot. And like I said, I've been so focused on more of the pseudoscience and logic and all this stuff. Is like I've kind of gotten away from a lot of the stuff I used to read on libertarianism because it it just I never felt, I don't know, From we had solutions. I hate to say we don't have solutions because we do, but like uh, I haven't looked into it enough to know what good plans we could implement. And like you, like you say, it's it's not top down, it's bottom up. It, That's it's, right. It really is. It's individual family, church. To me, those are the big ones. Yeah. Um, and Christians, I would love to see forming communities again, like really because we, we yearn for that. We yearn to be with other believers, and we're all so scattered and we're also everybody's so into their phone and into the media and just sucked into the secular world that Christianity is almost it looks secular as far as what we think and yeah. how we act. And we've got to stop doing that. Well, here's here's the thing. Let me ask you this question. We got about 20 seconds here. Can you hang over for a little bit? I think the conversation is good. I think there's some people who can benefit from the conversation we're having. They understand, look, we're not we I think we I think you would agree we have all the answers from our father. But it's it's our we're we're struggling to work those things out. Is it okay to hold you over for a little while? Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, guys, we're gonna continue this with a Jordan on the other side here. If you want to catch us, sunsoflibertymedia.com, top of the page there, before it's news.com, there, Rumble, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. And then Bradley will be with you at 3. Don't miss the sun morning. Kate Shimarani will be joining us again. 8 a.m. bright and early. Yeah, we're going to have that kind of talk again. See you there. <laughs> All right. want to welcome Eric because I know people talk. So they, they, they tell me, Jordan, that... Um, you know, on Saturdays, we're going we're gonna to have poop talk tomorrow. And and Kate's yeah. just a nurse. You know, she's been calling out that she's been with us. We're in our third year together. And you know how yeah. nurses are. If you've been around them, they're just oh, very. Yeah. And, and oh, yeah. uh, she makes it fun and informative. So, and we're glad about right. that. Uh, and glad in God's providence she's with us. So here's what I want to toss to you. <clears throat> and I appreciate your candor here. 
Uh, we're not telling everybody, hey, we know everything there is to know about this, that, and the other. We are learning, too, and we're sharing that stuff with people as the Father teaches us. And all of us are at different stages uh, as, as far as Christians, we're at different stages of our sanctification. We've been made just and righteous, <clears throat> not by ourselves, but in the righteousness of Christ. And Paul makes that argument about Abraham. He says he was he he uh, he believed God, and it was accounted for righteousness. That's what Paul says. And then he goes, uh, James goes on, and he says, "Well, you're not justified by faith alone." And he's not saying. What Paul is saying is wrong. He's saying, no, you demonstrate that because God has justified you. People see it in your life. He's using yeah. justification in a different way. And yeah. so we're, we're at that point. So here's what I would say in all of this. I think it's good that we do mental exercises um, to f figure out how we can communicate certain things. I think that's a good thing. In the end, though, it becomes we become foolish preachers or proclaimers. We're, we're not a guy in a tie and a suit, you know, standing behind it. We're, we're just people who go out and we speak. That's what it means. To preach is to proclaim. We speak it. We don't have to have a trumpet for it. We can be engaged in one person or ten people. And we engage in that based on our understanding of the Scriptures to bring that worldview before unbelievers. And one of the greatest freeing experiences, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and my father is a Southern Baptist preacher still to this day, and um, so I learned uh, Kennedy's evangelism explosion, the the Southern Baptist knockoff of that, which was continued witness training. Even as an what I would say, I was an unbeliever at the time. You know, I'd made all of these kind of professions, baptisms. Nothing ever took it; never changed my life. But there were seeds that were planted in there. I know that. And I would go, and you would talk to somebody. It was like you felt like you had to seal the deal, right? You had to get them to pray a sinner's prayer stuff. <clears throat> Once I became a real believer, when God really changed me, and I began to read the scriptures, I'm like, well, that's kind of unbiblical. What I, I was trying to make a car sale to these people. When what I do is I present them with the truth. I can't, I, if I could persuade people, if I can convince them, if I could take their heart of stone out and put a heart of flesh in, I'd do it. But I'm not God. And God teaches me that, that I ain't Him. So we give the foolishness of preaching a gospel about the God who sent His Son who is spirit, and yet took on human flesh, dwelt among us in our miseries, endured the hardships under the law, and never sinned, not one time, he was the second Adam. He was the, and people say, <clears throat> somebody asked me about, we were talking about Genesis 6, and they said, well, how do you explain, you know, the, 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 Mary, the Virgin Mary being impregnated? And I'm like, well, do you think that God had sex with her? No, right. the Bible's clear. He created a body inside her, and Jesus went into that body. I don't, I mean, I, I it blows my mind, yeah. but that's what's going on. There is no sexual relationship. She didn't stop becoming a virgin until after Jesus was born. The scripture says, Matthew chapter 1, Joseph knew her after she gave birth, and she's not a perpetual virgin or anything like that. So would you agree that even with all of our arguments, we are still left as men with no spiritual power to actually change the individual we're talking to. It has to be the good news of Jesus Christ that transforms them, and that's a work of the Spirit that we don't have any control of. Would you agree with that? 100%. So that's that's why it's hard. Because it's, I grew up with that whole seal the deal you know, type of thing, um, and it bothered me then. I didn't know why because I wasn't uh, scripturally aware 
but it just felt wrong. It felt uh, like you say, car salesman-ish. Not that there's anything wrong with car salesman, but you, you know what I mean. Um, it just felt cheesy and it felt wrong. And it, you know, and that's once I started reading the scriptures, and I go, man, I'm not seeing this stuff. I'm seeing that it's got to be God that does the calling and the drawing and the changing, and it's not on us. And that was very liberating because then you can proclaim the truth. And it's not on you to change that person as long Amen. as you're speaking truth. And I, I've had a lot of people, because we don't have TV, so I don't know what's going on in the news right now, people with this whole Asbury revival thing, right? And I've got people on both sides and people kind of questioning me, well, what do you think about this? You know, And I'm like, well, I don't like the whole revivalism thing because it's very emotion, man-centered sure. based from the old Methodist days, right? Because it's very free will. That being said, are these people preaching the truth? If so, that's in, that's what's important. Secondly, who Amen. God saves is up to him. It's not on me to be around going and inspecting the fruit of people claiming that they were saved. Like that's, you know, you can, if they're, if they become Christians and they join a Christian community and then they're behaving where they don't belong, it doesn't, again, it doesn't mean they're not a Christian, but you can call that out just as Paul did and, and told people to do, like have nothing to do with them until they, you know. But it's not my job to sit there and say, no, that's a false conversion and all this. No, God saves whom he wills that's and uses right. all kinds of means to do it. So I am, I'm very much a sovereign grace guy. Um, I'm not for, uh, I don't see free will, quote unquote, as defined by most people taught in scripture at all. Um, again, that's a big philosophical discussion because you go, well, what's a free will? What is that? Like, what does yep. that even mean? Yep. You know, so you can get in the weeds with that discussion. <laughs> so. Yeah, and we've talked about that. You know, I, I've told people, I said, if you mean free will that men make choices, yeah, they make choices. No no right. question about that. But if you mean that they're ultimately, like, completely autonomous, and especially if you're a Christian, it's like, well, did the, did the fall affect their not just state as dying before God, that he pronounced that on them, and he's got to go work the sweat of his brow and all these other things that are tied to that, but that his, even his will and his emotions are affected so that he's driven by a sinful nature. In other words, his freedom exists with inside his sinfulness. He doesn't have the ability to please God, to do what is pleasing to right. God. And that includes, by the way, for those people who don't understand it, to repent and believe. Right. Because repentance and belief or faith are gifts of God, and he doesn't give them to people just everybody the same. He doesn't do that. He gives them to his people because they are those jewels, those... Um, uh, prized things that Christ purchased on the cross for his people. And I, I tell you, Jordan, I get so many people that get upset with me when I say, Jesus didn't die for every single individual. If he did, then God is playing double jeopardy on people, and God doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. If Christ paid for sinners, every single sinner, then there's nobody in hell. There's nobody under the wrath of God. There's nobody under the judgment of God. And we should just say, you're all free because Christ has set you free. He's died. But that's not the message that we see in the Scripture. We see men called to repentance. We call see men called to faith. And we also see men condemned. Simon is a good example in the book of Acts. Your money perish with you. <laughs> you know, and Simon, not having the Holy Spirit, not falling on his knees in repentance and saying, God, have mercy on me. I'm sorry. I, I, I should have known. He'd just been baptized, for goodness sake. He's, he's openly making this profession, but secretly what he's doing is he's trying to, to get this power that the apostles have so he can use it for a gain. And he says, Peter, will you pray for me? What? Dude, go pray for yourself. 
Go pray for yourself. You're the one in need of repentance. And that's not unloving or unkind. It's to try to get people's attention that you have to deal with God yourself. You're the sinner. You're the, you're the person who's the criminal who's broken God's law. And you've got to rectify that with the judge. You've got to go in the judge's chamber and you've got to confess those violations of his law and ask that he show you mercy. And I'll tell you what, and I tell people this, if you desire mercy... If you really desire it, not you're just throwing it out there so you can continue on your sin. If you really desire mercy, that is a work of God in your heart. You have every reason to expect that if you cry out for mercy, God will grant it. You have every every reason to believe that. Well, it has to. It's a logical chain. Once you yeah. truly cry out, because your mind has already been changed to do that, then it's already been set in motion. You know, And that's the hardest thing to, I think, explain to people, because then they're like, well, we're just robots, and you don't have a choice anyway. And Well, choice doesn't presuppose again a free choice um god does what he wants uh amongst the inhabitants of the earth and uh, people hate it uh i didn't like it when i first saw it in the bible i saw it right away i started reading and i was like oh my gosh like this is not what i've been taught i grew up in a very free will focused uh type church um but it's just not there you don't find it you find god in control of all events all history and that includes who who he wants in his family that's Um, right yeah you know it's not up to us to we don't know who that is. That's why you just proclaim the truth in love, and God God handles it, you know, and that's a that's a very freeing thing to know. that You don't have to sit there and get them to say a specific set of words and go, okay, man, now let's get you in that water real quick. And, you know, that's not how it works. And that's you right. can be a witness in so many different avenues now. It's not the specific steps you have to follow. It can be a conversation online on keyboard. It can be talking on a radio show, it can be, you know, at the doctor's office, somebody comes to see me and we start talking about this, it can happen anywhere. Uh, you, you, you know, God uses the foolishness of the gospel, and then if, he want, if that person is elect, he will change their heart. It may not be right then, you know, but it's not for us to know all that. Yeah, and, and, Paul, and Paul says as much. He says, some, some plant, some water, yep. and God brings the harvest, right? That's right, So exactly. I, You know, anybody that, you know, I might could say, and I don't, I don't even know who I could say, led to faith or whatever the case may be. I don't get the glory for that. That's God's work. That's in right. fact, I'm kind of uh, a chastised, if you will, if I don't do that. Yeah. that. That's my duty. It's part of the 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 love and the gratitude that I have for God for what Jesus did for me. And uh, so let, let's let's take a little bit of a turn here in the midst of this, because some people are, have probably been on and some people are probably left because, oh, you guys are talking about the Bible. Okay. Right. And it's, right. it's a funny thing because sometimes we'll have those discussions where the title is very much that, it's very biblical, and you won't get people to come on. Right. And that's fine. And I like to use titles about things. Uh, I used to work for, just so you know, I used to work for Dr. Gary North before he passed. And uh, he was a hardcore theonomist, you know, Rush Dooney and all that kind of stuff. Um, but most people didn't know him behind the scenes. And he was really a cool guy. He was easy. But when you would talk to him out in the open, he was just very blunt, very just – people would have thought he was egocentric or whatever. But he wasn't that behind the scenes with me at all. In fact, it was kind of funny. There was an ongoing joke uh, down there in Georgia among uh, some of the guys. Uh, they were like, oh, you're still working for Dr. North? Really? Like this is six months down the road. They go, he's fired every man that's worked for him. He only he only lets the women stay around because, and he told me he said the women don't try to change what I tell them to do. The guys seem like they're trying to. And I and I told him I said the one thing I said 
was uh, I wasn't trying to change anything. I, this is the way I'm, I was doing it with you before. I just did it. I said, but it won't happen again. We never had a problem. We, we he and I never had a problem. But one of the things that, that I want to kind of take this to is some people will say, okay, you're just talking about Bible. How does this impact real life? So let's take what's gone on over the past three years. Mm-hmm. You're a doctor. You are a Christian. You're a person who takes seriously not only your faith in the Lord Jesus, but the underlying, uh, if we want to call it, the the philosophy or that stems from your epistemology, which comes from the scriptures, where you get your knowledge, and you're applying it to something like the convids. I call it the convid 1984. You're, you're applying it to that. It's a con. Mm-hmm. How does a Chris? How is it? What is the benefit that you can tell? Say somebody who maybe who may be listening who's a non-believer. They're they're not a Christian. Uh, maybe they're a libertarian, mm-hmm. uh, but maybe they're conservative. Maybe they're. And by the way, let me bring this up too because I, I I brought this one up too. This gets used in our culture, and I, I tell people, the socialists, the Marxists, and all these guys, what they do is they take words and they start changing them. And, and we've got a whole bunch that have been done like that that we don't even know because they were changed before you and I were even born. This is, a, this is the term liberal. This is from Webster's 1828. Listen to this. Of a free heart, free to give or bestow, not close or contracted, uh, municipal, bountiful, generous, Giving largely as a liberal donor. By the way, there is one thing that God is liberal in, right? If you ask of him wisdom, what does James said? He gives to those liberally, right? The liberal founders of a college or hospital. And they weren't talking about Marxist, open Democrats and stuff like this. They're talking about a, a character that it is generous, that it is liberal it reflects in fact i think he goes on i may be wrong no he doesn't do that usually what uh webster will do is he'll give a a a scripture verse or something that ties into that as how that is but the idea is is you've been freed to be gracious and giving to others uh so we we have that kind of thing so what would be a thing like let's just take the example of the convicts how would a how does a Christian doctor, you said, sometimes I buy into some stuff too, and I think we all get into a situation where we buy in things. Mm-hmm. How does a Christian doctor come to what was going on? Can you can you kind of walk us through it? Was there a point where you, it, right at the first maybe, where you said, yeah, this looks like a pretty serious kind of sickness and stuff. It's going on. I'm hearing all this stuff. I'm seeing all these things. Mm-hmm. How do you come to the conclusion, wait a minute, we've been conned. This, this is a, they're pulling something over our, our eyes, and there's an agenda at foot afoot here. How how do you use the things that we've talked about in the first hour to first deal with yourself and then deal with others? So starting with me is, and this has been that way, I guess, since before I went to med school, is you kind of start going, how do I know this, right? And it's not just in Scripture when you're dealing with hermeneutics and things, trying to tease out what's, what a context means. That applies to everything in life, too, um, and so I kind of thought that way already. Like I said, in med school, I'd, re- I'd hear professors say xyz about you know this structure in the brain it causes all this stuff and i go yeah there's no way you know that i can i can read the papers and myself and go they just made that up and they do and it happens all the time and you see it but like i said you don't have time to really dig into it you know truth matters in my opinion with all things um and when when the world quote unquote is making claims especially when it can lead to forced uh injections of substances which is uh can lead to health issues that's a big deal. Christians should take that seriously, right? Just like they should take seriously all the other nonsense. That Amen. 
brings tyranny upon people. Like that, that's my issue is if you want to make up a lot of stories about uh, all these things and call it science, uh, first of all, it's not science. I can tell you what science is. We can go down that road because that's a big pet peeve of mine. But you want to make up stories and conventions, that's fine. If you use those stories and conventions and reify those into reality to where it causes harm and forced harm on people, we need to know about that and we need to call it out for what it is. Um, I've never been like pro-vaccine, but I was never necessarily anti-vaccine, right? I never thought about it when I was younger. I never liked the idea of anyone being forced to do it because, again, that's not appropriate. Um, I was never scared of bugs, quote unquote, or catching colds and all this. So it never, when I, when I saw all this come out in 2020, it was just kind of like, man, what is, what is this? You know, and we don't have the, we don't have cable. So I didn't really know a lot. I just, you know, my parents came over and mom was not wanting to get close. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, this is weird. And then they're asking me about hydroxychloroquine and because their Sunday school teacher told them that that's what they should take. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, I thought like, what is going on? This is bizarre. So I just got involved on like Twitter and looking into everything and I'm going, okay, this is, this is interesting. And then when they start claiming all the stuff has, has spread here to the U.S. and all these death spikes and all this, and I'm going, okay, I don't see all this happening in reality, right? Like, like they'd say, oh, the hospitals are full and, and I'd, I'd be at work and like they actually, sh- they're not full at all. Like there was literally like a third full. And I think I posted something on Facebook about that and I got in trouble for posting that um uh by administration and i was like so i'm getting this is weird right like so i'm things are not as they seem and i'm getting in trouble for posting something that's truth um that really pissed me off to be honest with you and so i started looking deeper um because you could see these spikes of death all these things that were happening were it's not the way that a quote-unquote contagion if you believe in that and i did at the time it's not the way that would work anyway um, you started seeing the hysteria and so I started looking into the tests and how these were done. And I finally, I think it was Andrew Kaufman. I saw a video, somebody linked to his first talk on this. I'll never forget it. And I was like, this is interesting. You know, I didn't believe it by any means right away. I said, Oh, come on. You know, everybody's incredulous when, when something goes against their paradigm, they get that, you know, appealed incredulity where you're like, Oh God, that can't be true. Um, but you know, being who I am, the way I have to, I always look, um, just to be sure. And I started digging in hard to the whole topic of germ theory, virology. And it's, it's literally just castles built on, on sand. Um, and that opened the door to studying other topics, um, because you have to apply these principles. How do you know this? How is this proven? Blah, blah, blah. And then you go back to primary source material to try to track it down because all the modern papers already beg the question that these things are true. So you have to go, okay, where was this actually ever proven? You have to backtrack. And I mean, I had 300 tabs open on my Google Chrome. There's no telling how many hundreds and hundreds of virology papers I read going back to the 1800s, trying to parse this out. And it's just not, it's not there. Um, And so for me, that was a, it was terrifying at first. But then it became liberating because I started realizing how many other areas this was done. And people go, oh, look, that can't be true. Think how many people would have to be in on it. No, that's not how it works. That's not how belief works. People aren't. That's like saying how many kids are in on Santa Claus, right? They're not in on it. They believe it. Um, people believe nonsense all the time. And that's that's been the most frustrating thing I've seen with all of this the last three years is that 
and doctors are the worst because doctors believe whatever comes down from mm-hmm. the top. Most most of them do, right? With CDC saying it, I mean, I knew that in med school. I could I could see it. I mean, especially po- political. Right? You know, nobody was a libertarian, hardly any. You know, it's it's very authoritative, and governments are, or doctors are pretty good rule followers. Um, but with the tests and everything, is that that's what people say, and they started using these horrible logic, right? They'd start going, and my mom did this, and it bothered me. And she, I started talking to her. I was like, you know, viruses, this this nonsense, it's never been proven. None of it. Like these entities have never been found in an actual human being to be shown to cause anything. Oh, so you don't think people get sick? And I went, <laughs> and, but you, we laugh. Yeah, no, I know, I know the response. I get it. That is the most common thing i see yeah and that's a horrible way and that's in christians to do that and it it burns me up because it's so fallacious right but that's the same argument we were just talking about when we talk about how the will is bound which martin luther wrote in his book the bondage of the will this was the hinge on which the whole reformation turned was about the will of man yeah. I mean, that's what he's. So, so you kind of draw a parallel here, and when you tell people that, they go, "Well, you don't believe that people make choices." Exactly. Same it's thing. the same. It's the same argument. It's a different uh, area that you're dealing with. That's why I kind of laughed because I thought what we just yep. talked about. You just gave a great principle there, which I think is a great silver lining in all of this convict stuff, is people have begun to look for themselves, people who were indoctrinated, doctors and such. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt that, but I just see a great parallel in there in the spiritual to what's going on, you know, here in the reality that we live in uh, with that same thing. It's a perfect parallel because I thought the same thing because I've had those arguments in my, you know, early 20s, mid 20s about the free will stuff, you know, in online discussions and people say, or even I think when my mom at the time, she was like, oh, so you don't think we make choices? And I'm like, it's a non sequitur. Like, so I keep seeing this in people and this has been my like, okay, we got to get back to thinking properly. And that's where logic comes in. Like logic is useless without correct premises, right? And so for scriptural stuff, it's based on scripture. For everything else in the world, we have to find out if our premises are true. Otherwise, we can argue to nonsense all day long. The other thing is you can't equate effects with claimed causes unless the cause is proven. So I always use this example because people get the absurdity of it. Like if I tell you unicorns are trampling my grass and I, I point out that somebody says, well, what's a unicorn? Have you ever shown one to exist? And I go, no, 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 but my grass is trampled, right? Like, that's, that, see, what else would be doing it? And there's and Skittles you, in the yard, too. Yeah, yeah, and they go, but you have to prove to me unicorns exist. No, I don't. And, and most people get that. They go, yeah, you, you kind of got to show that a unicorn's real before you claim it's trampling your yard. And Same go, with the virus. Exactly. And they don't, their, their minds, they can't go there. They can't see that. Like, they don't understand that they are appealing to an effect, people being sick, quote, unquote, whatever that means. Um, and many different symptoms and they just all just they think because it's been classified as one disease because that's just a taxonomy thing anybody can arbitrarily say that and then they say oh see the test said i had covid or said i had sars-cov-2 and i go what test how was the test validated was that test validated against a proven virus that exists in a human being exactly they don't don't know they never thought about it they trust authority so this is what it goes back to scientism which is what we're dealing with here. No, we're not dealing with natural science with any of this stuff. Scientism is a trust and obedience to quote-unquote experts. It's the same in government with statism as it is in the academic world with scientism. They're parallel. Um, and I'd say in Christianity a lot where people just believe the 
pastor without looking for themselves to see if these things are true, right? It's all the same thing. It's blind belief. And then what you start getting into, if you start getting on Twitter with a lot of the, the terrible dumpster fire that it is, and you start asking just basic questions to these like virologists, microbiologists, and for, for proof, they go insane. They appeal to consensus. They use logical fallacies. It's always the same shtick every time. And that's that right. started, I started seeing the pattern and going, okay, Christians have got to be able to spot this and call it out. Because if we care about truth, we should care about it in every element of life, not just Bible, but how that plays out in our world. Because this stuff is coming down. It's causing people to become, you know, lose their jobs, get sick, die. I've seen, I mean, we've all seen it. We know all that. Um, this goes to other topics. This goes to genomics. This goes to so many other things that we're just, we believe because we've seen a lot of CSI shows or we've seen a lot of forensic files or we've, <laughs> yeah. we just believe it and we, nobody looks into it. And it's so frustrating. If you talk to researchers and I'm friends with some people who've kind of seen the light, these are people who work in the labs. They do PCR tests for a living and they came out going, man, I've looked into this and it's not, it's just nonsense. Like the stuff we do. Cause I, I would ask them, I go, Okay, you run PCR. I said, how do you, how do you make these primers? You, you're supposedly linking nucleotides together. How do you do that? Well, the computer tells us how to do it. I was like, no, no, no. How, how do you know that what you're doing in that computer mix of macro level effects, these color changes and all this crap, how do you know you're linking nucleotides together? Yeah. And they go, they get, a lot of them get mad. Oh, are you saying that what I do is fake? I'm like, no, no, no. What you're doing is real. You're, you're doing stuff. You're following a recipe. But there's right? a faulty premise that you're working off of. That's right. And so, again, you have to disjoin effects from claimed story underneath. We have to. Otherwise, we can appeal to the effects to constantly provide. And that's affirming the consequent. Like, that's the biggest fallacy I see is you just say, well, if this, then that. That, therefore, this. That's completely fallacious. If unicorns trampled grass, <laughs> yeah. trampled grass, therefore, unicorns. People understand it when you put, parse it out that way, yep. but then you start applying it to all the, the academic stuff and claims, and they don't like it. We have to do it everywhere. So. Yeah, and I think that, again, these are, these are good things to, to show people. Even when we're talking about the gospel and things, you know, there have been many men who went out to seek to prove the Bible was wrong, that Jesus didn't exist, all this, and they come back and they're like, I can't believe the evidence. If I was in a courtroom... It, it, I, I would be guilty of, you know, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Also, like falsifying evidence. Yeah, I, I would be. I would be guilty of. Uh, no, it's not that. It, bearing a false witness. Yeah, it would, it would be yeah. like bearing a false witness because I was saying these things weren't real. They weren't true. And then I went, and all the evidence is pointing towards this. Let me bring these couple of things up because you're talking about science. You're talking about the proof of the virus. And this is just one of the lies that the crime syndicate in D.C. tell us. And by the way, they are a crime syndicate. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, love him or hate him, Declaration of Independence, he says, when the, when the government's become the way ours is, which they, they, were, they were going after these guys for trying to take their, their weapons. They were taxing them 2 to 3%. 2 to 3%. Yeah. And they were they were in the streets. They were burning the king's effigy and all this other stuff. And he says, it's time you abolish that thing. We don't worship the beast. We don't keep feeding it. We starve it. We cut it off. We're the ones who create it. We got to starve it. And and I'm sure you probably agree with this since you're, you're claiming to be a Christian libertarian. I believe we eliminate 
all this decentralization down to if we could get it down to a county level where we have like two judges or three judges that's all we need the men can handle the enforcement of law because that's even what we have in our constitution and militia this is what scripture says to some of the things that jordan is talking about here uh and oops i'm on the wrong thing i'm going to bring that up in a second first timothy chapter six paul warns this about timothy oh timothy keep that which is committed to thy trust what was that the scriptures because he's to take it and pass that on to faithful men Avoid, avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called pseudoscience. That's really what the term is there. False science. And I think what I hear, Jordan, from you is you're pointing out there's real science, which is the study of the creation and how God created it, and we're thinking God's thoughts after him, versus, oh, I don't know, let's go over here to Revelation chapter 18. And we see the, the by thy sorceries, or their pharmacia, their, their drugs. And I tell people the difference between stuff like we've, we've talked about cannabis. I said real medicine, and I don't even like that term to tell you the truth, yeah. but real medicine or real health, uh, health benefits for the body are grown, mostly food. Yeah. Drugs are manufactured. And most yeah. people don't know that when they first ban cannabis and all its forms even hemp which our forefathers said sow that indian seed everywhere because they were making ropes and clothes and all kind i'm sure some people were smoking it taking it whatever the case may be they banned it and in i think it was 1960 1962 the supreme court declared it unconstitutional and they banned it again and how did they do it they put it with the pharmaceuticals the manufactured synthetic drugs that make you sick that make you dependent upon more drugs that kill you all of that and the scripture is very clear about it and then let me add with this and i'll let you uh, give a comment when you're talking about this stuff has never been proven we've got a journalist out there um and uh this uh this guy samuel eckert he's offering 1.2 million dollars now this was since I want to say it was June or July of 2021. That's what I want to say it was. I'm not reading the article fully down. He's offering $1.2 million to anyone who can prove existence of COVID-19, the, the SARS-CoV-2 virus that causes the disease of what they call COVID-19. Now, I, I tend to think they play on us, and I buy into what some people say. COVID stands for Certificate of Vaccine ID-19. <laughs> that's what I think, because that's really where they go, is it not? But But... Point, There's yeah. $1.2 million out there for my friend up in New York, uh, Dave, who used to call me up and say, you're not being honest about this. There, There's clearly viruses, blah, blah, blah. And you tell me all this stuff. And I'm like, so give me an isolate because I have doctors from all over the world that, that we've talked to. And some of them have actually asked the Chinese CDC, which said they don't, have, they never isolated the the American CDC, the Canadian CDC, the the one that they use over in England. They asked them for isolates, and they can't get any. Why? Because what they're working the shots off of that they fraudulently call vaccines is a computer model, like what you said a minute ago, that the Chinese gave you. And I thought we weren't friends with the communist Chinese. They're, no, they're not in our worldview, but we'll believe whatever you guys tell us, right? Just like the Chinese balloon, a.k.a. NASA USA manufactured balloons. Uh, what, what do you make out of that? Could people not go and just simply demonstrate there is a real virus. Here it is. We see it under a microscope. Here's what it's doing and all that. No, we get still shots of fragments of stuff in the body, that's a virus. This, this yeah. That's the unicorn. It's point and declare. So, again, 
the the whole if you say isolate a virus, you're already begging the question of virus. You have to prove what's a virus. Okay. So you gotta back it up even further. And that's what most people Good point. when I when I discuss things with researchers and they go, Well, I've got this paper. See, it says isolation and it starts out with the virus, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, no, no. It's already assuming virus is real. It's already assuming it. Then it points to effects to let's take the unicorn example. It's pointing to trample got grass. It. That's a, no, that's a great point. That's a great point. I don't I don't care about trample grass. I want to see the unicorn. So you have to give me the foundational scientific papers. So science, natural science, only deals with cause and effect. That's what natural science deals with. You are trying to prove the cause of an effect in the natural world, in God's creation. Very limited, very narrow. Everything else outside of that is not natural science. You have to have experiment. Your experiment must experiment with the claimed cause. Well, your cause has to exist if you're going to experiment with it. Find me a single paper where somebody was able to put potential virus, quote unquote, into a hypothesis. Hmm. We see these little things in this human tissue. I wonder if those are causing the disease. That would be a valid hypothesis. That doesn't exist. Okay. I've looked. Not there. They do. Not, and, and I know you've talked to Andrew about this probably, or if you've listened to him, they went and had a discussion with some Yale virologist. And they said, if we took 10,000 specimen samples and pulled them together of humans, could we find the virus inside there? He said, no, there's not enough. It's like, he's already begging the question of virus. But the fact that you're like, so these things are supposed to be in our tissues killing us and we can't find them in there. So what do they say? Yes. You have to grow it in culture. Yeah. What's it? What's it? <laughs> what do you mean? You can't grow something that's never been proven to exist. That's not how it works. You don't find your potential cause after the fact of doing all this random stuff in cell culture and go, mm, yep, that's our culprit right there. No, no, no. You have to experiment with the thing which has to be identified first in reality. They're so backwards on this. And when you talk to these guys, they don't get it. They don't get the logic. They don't care that they're being fallacious, that they're begging the question and affirming the consequent every single time. It's rampant and it drives me insane. And so we're literally speaking a different language than most people. And academics are the worst because if they had to face that all the stuff they're doing is nonsense because they believe it, it's not, they're not lying. They literally think it's okay to be fallacious. Because that's what know? they've been taught. That's what that's and, how their processes and, and the, are in the mind. Yes. And this is let me let me interject. I don't want to take much, but this is why the Bible says that our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God through tearing down strongholds. What are their strongholds? What we've been taught. Sorry, I, I just wanted to kind of throw that biblical reference in because that's exactly what's going on. Even in these things, there is this prison, this cage that's been set up in our mind by the world, by our our own lusts and by other men, and I do see this silver lining where God is using this to to somehow bring a message of the gospel to people to say, the same thing's happening to you regarding your sin, and there's a Savior from sin. Here it is. Go ahead. Because that sin penetrates our thoughts, and it penetrates... The image of God is marred and our, our, our logic and reason is, is twisted because we'll try to make things um, real that, that, that aren't um, because of a bias or of, of a desire for whatever reason. The scientism, you know, thing, it goes back a long way. If you go back and read, you know, even early days, philosophers and natural philosophers, what they used to call them before they were called scientists, um, they, they just make up stories because they're trying to make up stories to explain something going on in the world. You can make up a hundred million stories. You can make an infinite number of stories to explain something. 
they may all work, quote unquote. And that's what these guys don't understand. They'll say, we've got a model. We can model this. And I'm like, I can make a model too. I can make it unicorns doing it. Yep. I can make it I can make it yard gnomes. I can I can say whatever I want. The effect is still there. <clears throat> You're making up the story. And so the other big thing I see drives me nuts is they love the burden of proof reversal fallacy. They'll say, Oh no, no. It's on you to show that viruses don't exist. That's nonsense. You don't prove that's, the negative. That's right. And they don't they don't care. Because this is this is everywhere. And I don't know, I don't think it's even formally taught. In academia, it's just trickled through their minds, and it comes from mainly the philosophers of science, from uh, like Lakatos from the 1900s, who basically, and I can find the quote, said, it's not enough. You cannot falsify something by experiment. You have to come up with a new and better story to replace the old one. Otherwise, the old one stands. That's right. That's insane. Mm. And that is the biggest like comment I get from most of these people. Yeah. Oh no, no, you've got to give me a better explanation. Otherwise I'm going to keep believing that fairy tale. It's, it's absurd. Falsification is built into the scientific method. Your, your presumed cause either causes the effect or it doesn't. That's falsification. So all this nonsense, cause you'll try to get them down on that and they go, Oh, well science doesn't prove things anyway. It only disproves. That's not true. Like nobody walks around with these shirts on going, the science disproves this. The science doesn't say that. No, they say science says, right, which is a reification fallacy anyway. But science in people's minds, they believe it means proof. Whether they Now, if you try to hammer them on that, they'll then backtrack and go, oh, well, yeah, we don't really believe that. Okay, so you admit you're making up stories. Well, it goes back to consensus reality. If the consensus believes it, they think that's enough not realizing the story changes every 10 years. So then it's self-refuting because it's truth doesn't change. Yeah. It's the, it's the broad, it's really the broad path. And I think it gets back to, we aren't educated anymore. We're indoctrinated. You know, when, uh, if you go back in time at Joel McDermott, I'm sure you're familiar with Joel. Mm -hmm. Uh, he wrote a great book called, uh, one County at a time. Right. And, um, one of the things he pointed back was to education and he was pointing out, how, like, I think he referenced South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, but he was talking about how, you know, they were, they were just, they were making their living. I, I'll just give people a little, uh, um, I don't, I don't know, um, a little teaser for something that's going to be going on this week at the Brown House. My son-in-law is coming over and we're going to be talking about a possible move out of the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the U.S. occupied state of Alaska. And, these are the, the, the our 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 dialogue has been on issues of of our liberty in Christ of thinking outside the box not just continually going at a system that is is constantly at war with God and the people can't get on the same page so ours is to go start a Christian community out of our family and build it out uh, under the law of God, just like our forefathers did when they came here, they did the same thing, and uh, so that's some of the talk that we're we're talking about now. How that's going to flesh out, and what all has to be done, and whether we even do it, I don't know. But that'll be some of the stuff. But if 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 people can grasp this issue that you're talking about here, I see a great parallel. This is this is the fantastic thing that I've learned. I've told people I'm so glad that we had Kate in God's providence get fired from her show and all this stuff, and come on every week, because Kate was a young Christian at the time, and I told her, uh, I think she was a, a year old, a year or two old in the faith, and I told her, um, 
She's been smeared in the media, all over the British media. The Daily Fail and all those other places, the BBC, all this other attack her, use her own kids against her. Um, she went to jail. She uh, been fined. It, interesting about that, we did a show on that. Her fines were $66, $66, and $66. And then a derivative of that, 180 180 and 180 and she was told people were actually performing black magic behind the scenes against her. And I told her, I said, you're an example to me. Now, I've been in the faith longer, but you're an example that you are going through the fire, sister. And you know what? There were times she was stressed out and all, but behind the scenes she was saying, you know what, Tim? I, I can't abandon what God has done in my life. I can't abandon the truth. If they kill me, I can't abandon that truth. And she had no ill will towards anybody, but she she said, I pray for them because I don't know what else to do. I can't change their minds. I can't, you know, do it. And it was very genuine, and it was an example to me. Uh, and, and so here's the thing. I want to take uh, these last few minutes. We, we, we're almost at two hours here. So, Jordan, I thank you for staying. And the people say it's a great conversation, and I think it is too. People understand how brothers talk. And uh, with one another, if they disagree, if they agree, um, I have people on who have different worldviews, and we we can we can talk with one another. We can we can actually learn something even from unbelievers if they've studied a particular thing and they're right on that. We we want to we want to learn that because God may be teaching us something through them, despite the fact that because again they're made in the image of God. So here's what I want to do. I want to kind of give you a final word here, and if you will take as much time, I won't interrupt. Take as much time as you need. And give a word of exhortation to the audience. We, we, our title of our show is Got Logic. If you can summarize sort of what we've talked about, and you can drive things maybe from the convids, maybe there's something else you want to bring to the forefront, and then you want to tie it over and say, in the same manner, this is the biblical message you need to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ, a Savior from sin— I'd like for you to do that. Give a final word of exhortation. Take as long as you need. Yeah. <clears throat> I think for me, the biggest picture here with all this, because this is something I've been struggling with, is why have I become so near obsessive about it? Um, because it's truth matters. Wisdom matters. Discernment matters. Not just in not just in spiritual matters necessarily. Everything's spiritual, right? Um, but when, you're, when your world is controlled by god hating philosophies you have to be aware of that and you have to be aware of what these quote-unquote authorities are telling you and first of all that comes down to understanding who is and isn't an authority and we have to you know look at scripture to try to understand that because everything goes back to that being your your standard um by which you measure all things um so when you when you you have to recognize this trust info authority first of all but then all the claims coming down the pipe, be be a Berean in every aspect of your life. You know, the Bereans search the scriptures to see if these things are true. Do the same thing with these other claims that you're being handed down, whatever they are. If you're, you know, especially if they lead to some nonsensical worldviews, right? If they're promoting um, pagan worldviews by what they're telling you, Look harder at it. Look to see if if there's really good sound proof for what you're being told. I think the biggest issue you hit on is the lack of education. The the um, dumbing down, quote unquote, is that 
we aren't taught logic and logic isn't everything logic again is just a way to think about things a foundation but it's a foundation and again you have to have true premises and then and then learn and and i just want people to start understanding how to how to see the fallacies uh oh you're okay am i there yep you're here oh sorry that's okay <laughs> it white. there's uh, a flash of light <laughs> You're yeah, gone. <laughs> how, to spot, how to spot fallacies? <clears throat> logical, <clears throat> logical fallacies are everywhere, and we need to be able to, to pick those out and call them out for what they are, and you know, calmly. If people don't want to hear it, then you go, you know what? I'm just gonna walk away, uh, you know, because I'll get into it with people, and I realize, you know what? If they don't see this, we're we're speaking a different language. It is what it is. You put it out there. Other people reading the conversation, let's say it's online, they'll they'll get something out of it. Um, you know, and I've heard a lot of people say that from like interviews I've done, and I've picked it up with other people. You just kind of plant those seeds and, and people who are open-minded and intellectually honest, whether they're Christians or not, they will go, you know what? That's, that's true. I need to, I need to think about it like that. Um, and, and like you say, this all goes back to a biblical worldview as well. Um, and it ties into our depravity and how our minds have been twisted by sin and self-reliance, right? And, and man, man becoming the measure of all things for himself. And which is, you know, it's just it's Genesis three. It's it's God. God didn't really say that. Right. You know, um, and and again, you, you have to in love if people are interested and you start talking down that path of how we have an ultimate authority in God that we can't please on our own. And that's the whole point of the gospel is that Christ has done it. And those who trust that work are completely seen as righteous. Um, that's right. That you don't no longer have to be in in Adam, you know, and um, it doesn't mean you're going to start being perfect and behaving perfect and thinking perfect. I mean, not at all. Um, it's a it's a bigger it's a positional picture, you know. Instead of a, it, it should play out in your life, you know. But again, I'm not a fruit inspector. I mean, I have lots of areas I need to work on. Um, it's it's about recognizing your fallenness and your inability to even to come into contact with a holy, perfect God without that righteousness that's given to you. Um, and so that that's the bigger picture, obviously. I just think there's a difference between the theology, and we can talk theology all day, but then what are the real world? How does this play out in how we live our lives? In our Exactly. That's, I think that's the question people are asking, Jordan. I, I said I wouldn't interrupt you, but I think that's the question people ask. How does this stuff that you guys talk about, how does it... How does it flesh itself out? Or as the old preacher used to say, how do you put it in shoe leather? Yep. That's been the biggest thing for me lately is because I get so involved in the esoteric side or the, the quote-unquote theoretical side or, or just the logic side. And my wife and I have been talking more lately. It's like, how do we live? How do we live in the kingdom as Christians who love truth, who understand the absurdities of state government and of statism, and of academia and scientism, what do we do now? Like, that's kind of the next, you know, and this may take 500 years, a thousand years, who knows? That's God's timeline. But we've got to start having these conversations because I know other Christians are interested. I've seen the the uptake from just stuff I've talked about and others like you and, and people talking about the nonsense. And I think it's getting the wheels turning and it's going to go to so many other areas of what do we think about schooling? How do we handle this? Like, are we going to get, start getting people away from the secular schooling. Why would you send your kids to be indoctrinated by nonsense? Why? It's comfortable, right? Because that's just what we do. That's what so we've been taught. Just, 
Right. Why do and why, why did why, why did, are you did the vaccines? Yeah. Well, because I want to go to that concert. Well, that's no. that's and, and I can I've told people this. You know, we have ten kids, and the first three or four we were we were allowing them to get the regular the old style shots. And I see in a couple of my kids, I see the effects of it. I, I see not that they have autism or something like that, but they my, my son has a leaky gut. I think that's primarily come from that. I have allergies. They came on like decades after, you know, I grew out of all the other stuff. Um, you know, my, my daughter had a thing on her hand that wouldn't get uh, like a rash. I didn't even know that was even tied to that until we had Stephen Halford on. Um, and, and he was like, yeah, all this stuff is, it wasn't modern medicine. This was tied back to paganism. You took a prick in the hand, uh, to show your allegiance to your God and the society. I mean, I was like blown away because in school I was told, well, the vaccines came from Christian men and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, what in the world? And the Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I'm going to tell you, the farther I'm going down, the more I agree with the Jehovah's Witnesses about transplants and everything else. Because I'm seeing that tied in with the life of the flesh is in the blood and how it's just... It's not science, not real science. It's Franken science. We talked about that on the show on Saturday. People are asking Jordan where they can find you. The only place I know that you can find Jordan is on Facebook <laughs> at The Big Bus, facebook.com forward slash The Big Bus. So, Jordan, you're probably going to be inundated with people. You, you've got plenty of room there. You've got 3.5 friends. So, 1,005, uh, uh, 1,500 of you can at least come on there. And, but is there another place that people can, uh, can, can find you, maybe see some of the stuff that you post? That's the main thing, and I don't I don't do a lot of posting necessarily other than Facebook. I've done several different interviews around. I mean, I did some talks last year at Berean Bible Church, one on just health in general, and one on the COVID and pseudoscience. Which I, I feel like if if anybody wants to know kind of where I really stand and how that they can see what is truly natural science versus what is the nonsense being taught, I think that's a good a good thing to watch. Um, there's a couple groups that we're involved in on Facebook. It's called the Infectious Myth. Um, I got involved with that early on in COVID. It was a, a guy named David Crow had an amazing podcast. He passed away not long after COVID started, he had colon cancer. But he was just an independent researcher guy. Like I think he used to work in telecom. He's so just, you can still find his old podcast. But we've got groups now on Facebook that we run where we talk about this kind of stuff. And it's not just infection-related stuff. It's other areas. Um, that's, that's part of the biggest place. Um, Facebook, honestly, just because I love interacting with people on there. Um, I don't have like my own articles. I'm friends with a lot of people who are writing articles and doing things based on this. And we all talk behind the scenes, but I feel like I'm more of a behind the scenes type of guy where I just want to, I just want to get the truth out and, and more, not necessarily truth. Cause I don't know that I have, a, I have a bunch of answers. I think people want me to give answers. Okay. Well, what is really making people sick? I, I don't know. A lot of things, right? That's, that's, that's where when you start calling out nonsense, that's when the solutions come. Yes. They, all these people, yes. they want solutions right away. It's like you, until you break these paradigms, you're not going to get the real solutions. We got to break the false paradigms first, in my opinion. So, well, I agree with that. I agree with that. And by the way, we've got some great comments in the uh, chat. Uh, you're going to have to bring this guy back on. These are great conversations. I agree. These, the, and 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 uh, Wordsworth. Uh, I'm glad. I, I I'm so glad that uh, I I've been able to talk with Mike. Mike is a plethora of information. Um and a brother in the Lord, and uh, he said, true theology is practical and not theory. That's exactly right. It teaches us who God is 
and who we are to serve and honor him. Thank you for that word. That That is exactly what, theology is not this ivory tower, you know, stuff that people uh, write about and put it out. God may use people to do that. I know Calvin was one that said, I just want to stay in my library and, and study and write and do all this. And he's got this guy who's the complete opposite of him, Farrell, who's saying, no, you get your butt out here. You need to be useful in the community uh, in instructing, you know, the leaders here in Geneva about how they're to honor God in their in their capacity. And he went and he did it. And God used God used that greatly to influence our real founding fathers, not the guys who wrote the Constitution. They're framers. But our real founding fathers who established us as sovereign uh, states, or what would eventually be states. They were colonies at the time. But i got to tell you, I I love these kind of conversations. Some people say it's a tempest in a teapot, or it's just you guys are just in a think tank. No, I I learned a long time ago. Um, You may be familiar with the guy, Doug Phillips. He was with Vision Form and, you know, caught in a scandal. He was in, he was clearly in sin. Um, Mm -hmm. Brings me no joy. I I, I got really angry that some people who call themselves Christians were just bad mouthing it. And it's like, look, it's a terrible sin. David was engaged in that too. And the Bible tells us how we're to handle that. We're to handle that in the body. But now everybody thinks they can just go all over social media and tell the world. It's like, look, we already know that we're human. We already know that we're sinful. Christ has redeemed us, and we go to our brothers alone. I did a whole show on Matthew 18. It's a pretty simple. I don't get into all the Greek words or the Aramaic words. or anything. I just say, this is what it says. And people are more than willing, and they're doing it to me. Some of them are doing it to me. And they're attacking me, and it's just like, guys, I don't respond to evil words with evil words. I I don't do that. I I believe that we're to go to one another and to reconcile with one another because we have uh, the best interests of that person and the glory of God, and the gospel is at stake. Understand that. The gospel is at stake. If we can't deal with our sinning brother properly, the way the Lord deals with us, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, right? As the Lord forgave us. If we can't do that, what are we communicating in our gospel? We're communicating in our gospel that if you step out of line one time, boy, we're going to bash you and so is the Lord. And I, I think that's completely wrong. I think it's completely out of place. Um, Gordon, I, I, Jordan, I appreciate your, your time very much. And I know the audience does too. Uh, again, I've seen some of the comments here that the live ones you won't see uh, when we end this. But uh, I hope we can have you back again. I think this yeah. discussion is really good, and um, maybe we can pick up something. We can talk about it and uh, and do that yeah. in the future. I mean, if, if you guys end up if you guys end up moving and doing the things you, I mean, these are all the things. And just keep me updated on that because that's sure. what like I say. I'm 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 guilty of wanting to be in my ivory tower and my little world, and and I get scared of of taking this stuff out into everyday life. So I'm I have to work on that side of things. Mm. Uh, and other, other people are gifted and getting out there in front and you know so it's stuff i need to work on but the the christian the idea of getting into communities and start building these things up you know learning to live off the land again do things with your hands yes yes all these things like that's what we're meant to do we're meant to be creative we're meant to to and engage with others in love and, and in community and it's just it's so sad the way the way it is now and so we we all are, i think are yearning to, for that kind of thing so i i hope this keeps going even if it's not in my lifetime 
that eventually that that's that's what happens. So yeah, like, well, if you're interested in getting a head start on what we're going to be talking about this week, I brought it to my wife, and she's like, I, I don't want to leave the kids and stuff, but they're taking our first grandchild with them too. So maybe she's open to that. Maybe we can get everybody on board. Maybe we could sell our small plot of land here and and house and have enough to where we could live debt free. That would to yep. me. Debt, it, the Bible is exactly right. Debt is a curse. Oh my goodness, it's a curse. And that's what we've been raised to grow up in. And I want to be free from that so bad I can't stand myself sometimes. Yep. And yep. this, at least in my mind, you can call me uh, you know, a dreamer or whatever you want. I want that too. I want a new start. I want to see God do things. I want him to teach me things I didn't do, like what you're saying, building our own houses. or And, and, and look, a lot of people talk, in America talk about rugged individualism. They know nothing about that. Just because you built the business, it's not rugged individualism. You had all the structure in place. Go live out. Go live out of there in the in the valleys and the mountains of Montana and tell me about rugged individualism. Go live in Alaska. Uh, Papa Bear, if you guys want to look at where we're looking at, Papa Bear Lake area or, or Mama Bear Lake area, go look at that. And then you tell me about rugged individualism. Now, that doesn't make you a Christian. I'm not saying that. But I get what you're saying. We, uh, When God put Adam in the garden, what was Adam's job? What was his old job? Harvesting what God had created in the garden. Harvesting and eating it. And you can't touch one tree. That's it. You can have everything else in the garden but that one tree. And it's like saying, don't think of pink elephants, Adam. And the first thing that pops in his mind is pink elephants. And I think what would have happened had Adam and Eve kept the covenant with God? They would have expanded that garden out. They wouldn't have been thrown out into the world into the thorns and thistles. They would have expanded. They would have been clearing it off and expanding that garden out, taking dominion over the earth, being fruitful and multiply, which, by the way, American church, God has not rescinded that command. Those of you having your 1.25 kids with your Planned Parenthood, birth control, and all this other, that's not what God said to do. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Psalm 127, 128. You guys know the story of how I read that to my kids. These are all the things that are fundamental, Jordan, to, to taking dominion in the earth. I, You know what? I believe that every inch of turf on the earth is the Lord's. I don't believe it's the devil's. I know some people think that, but Jesus purchased his people, and he, I believe he purchased the creation. Paul says the creation groans, right, for that renewal, for, for, the, for the, uh, the, the sons of God to be revealed, and all of this kind of stuff. There is that, and it comes through the gospel, but it's not just what we say. It's what we're doing, and uh, brother, I hope you'll come back again. Will you come back again Absolutely. on us if we get into this? Absolutely. I yeah. loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I the audience did. So did I. Always appreciate oh. these kind of things. If you'll hang on, I'll say goodbye to you off air. Uh, guys, Bradley be with you at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. Thanks for hanging on with us, guys. I know we went, gosh, we're at two hours right now. But sometimes the time flies. Uh, and I, ho- I really do hope this kind of interaction is beneficial to you. I hope it encourages your faith, those of you who are believers, and for those of you who are listening who are not believers, I hope that you can gain something from that, and hopefully, I hope God will do... I hope He'll do for you what He did for me. I know what it is to be in utter rebellion. 
and love yourself and love the things that you're doing and forget God. I know what it is. And I know what it is to have a root awakening where the glorious, holy, true, and living God confronts you and you feel like you're coming apart and you're going to die and all you can do is cry out for mercy. You don't even know the right way to go. But he has mercy on you. Show you. I pray he'll show you that. I really do. That's my desire in all this. It's not to bash. It really isn't to bash people. It isn't to tear them down. Although I may call that evil and sin and stuff, it isn't to tear people down. It's to point them to the Christ who can build them up. Anyway, Bradley will be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern. Sorry. <laughs> SonsOfLibertyMedia.com Lord willing, we'll be back with you in the morning, 8 a.m. with Kate Shimerani. We'll talk with you then. See you.